Welcome into Jags AM on November Wednesday, November 29th, this Wednesday, as we get ready for a big matchup against the Bengals this week. I'm Kainani Stevens. John Ogier and Brian Sexton are with me, getting prepared for that game, and we're going to go over some of the big things we're looking at this week. Our big thing, number one this week, is going to be new goals. For sure, this team was aiming at winning the AFC South, but now, with an 8-3 record, we're looking at seeding in the playoffs, maybe trying to get a first-round bye. Brian, this is something we were discussing earlier this week, and the goals have kind of changed a little bit for this team. Well, they have, and they're realistic, Kai. I mean, you look, you're just a, a win behind Baltimore, who's going to have a bye week between now and the Jags game in a couple of weeks, and you're right there. You'd feel better about it, John, if you had beaten Kansas City. You'd really feel like you were in a strong position, but when you look at the way this schedule sets up, there's no Joe Burrow this week. The, uh, the Browns are down three offensive tackles, two running backs, two quarterbacks. Miles Garrett is wearing a sling right now. I, you don't want to look too far ahead, but when you look at the opponents the rest of the way, it's possible you could win and end up with home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And that's a dramatic leap forward for Doug Peterson's football team from where they were a year, a year ago. Yeah, I think the cool thing is they have a chance to earn it, meaning uh, it's a... I'll call it a soft schedule. It, it's a manageable schedule. Um, I think the issue is there's six games left. You're tied with Kansas City, but you got to get ahead of them. Yep. So realistically, you probably got to go five and one, hope they lose two. Uh, they're the kind of team that may not lose two. So you've, you've got some going to do. You control your destiny against Baltimore, though, and that's a big thing. You can get the guy who's ahead of you by beating that guy. I like this because... You see the six games that are left, and the Jags ended last season on a five-game winning streak. Mm -hmm. Okay, do it again, right? I mean, get hot right now. And the last two weeks, they've gotten hot, and they put themselves in a position where, you know, Kansas City's schedule is tough, but it, they're not going to lose two. So you got to win out. It kind of puts them in the same mindset as they were last year. That brings us along to big thing number two, among the greats. If you want to be getting the number one seed in the AFC, you need to be among the greats, the Chiefs, the Ravens. Miami at times and looking at that schedule the rest of the way it is doable to think that they could go five and one maybe that Ravens game probably the toughest one on the schedule yes you need to take care of business but that's something we're looking at John that's something they could do especially when you look at what they were able to do at the end of last year yeah the Bengals aren't going to be a pushover and they're you know they're a team that has uh been in two straight conference championship games with or without Burrow. They know how to keep games close. They almost beat Pittsburgh last week. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it plays out where if the Jaguars do what they have done so far this season, which is usually beat teams they're, quote, supposed to beat, uh, I would say most people would say five of the six games left are those kind of games. Uh, the Ravens, uh, to me, is a toss-up if you're looking at it objectively. So it's there. Uh, you want to be able to prove that. I don't think that there's a team in the AFC they can't beat. I wonder about the NFC, but we're a long way from that. Well, when you look at that schedule, and, and John's right, look, the Bengals have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Boyd, Drew Sample scored a touchdown last week, and of course, Joe Mixon's a guy in the backfield at 6'2", 225. They can pound you. If you don't play good defense, they can keep this one close, but this is a should win for the Jags now that Joe Burrow is on injured reserve the rest of the way. And I'm looking forward to that Browns game where I mean, Deshaun Watson is gone. I mean, all these guys are gone there. These become wins. I shouldn't say wins. These become games you should win. You should be able to go on the road and play and win if you're a team that 
belongs in that conversation. And I think all of us think that they do belong in this conversation. It is tough with the Ravens, but hey, I mean, that's why it's a Sunday night game. It's going to be the marquee. Um, and they beat them last year here. So it, it, the thing sets up that they could get there. We do want to go to our final big thing, which is priorities, because you mentioned the Bengals, and we don't want to overlook the Bengals because they're a great team. And they're coming in, obviously, without Joe Burrow, but they have a lot of talent on that team. And as we mentioned, Don, you mentioned the coaching on that team is good. Obviously, they're very familiar with Zach Taylor being Press Taylor's brother. So there's that as well. And also, they kind of remind you a little bit of like a desperate team, not desperate in that sense, but like the 49ers coming in off a losing streak as well and kind of wanting to get back and prove themselves a little bit as well. Well, they are desperate. Uh, they're in it. They're without their quarterback. They're five and six. Uh, so realistically for them, they have to figure out a way to win different than they thought they were going to win coming in. Uh, they almost found a formula last week against Pittsburgh. It was really one mistake at the end of the game where they win that. Um, I don't think it's realistic to think the Bengals make the playoffs. Maybe they do. Uh, but these kind of teams, the ones that are injured, wounded, uh, and who have had success in the past, they know how to win. They know how to keep games close. They're very dangerous, Brian, in moments. Uh, right. If they have seven games left, they're probably going to get three because they're that kind of team. Make sure you're not one of those three. You know, we started the season with the Bills and the Bengals being two of the best four or five teams in the conference. And the Bills have had some misfortune, some injuries, especially on defense. And the Bengals lose their quarterback. So they're not hot teams right now. You know who are? The Texans are still considered a hot team. The Colts are considered a hot team. How about the Broncos? They give up 70 in September. And all of a sudden now they've ripped off four or five in a row and they're sitting at six and five. And that Texans Broncos this game game this weekend is considered one of the best games of the weekend. The thing for the Bengals is, is that they're a team that's starting to fall as other teams, legitimate risers are starting to come. So it'll be interesting to see. They will be desperate, but different than San Francisco because San Francisco was getting healthy. They were getting Trent Williams. Uh, and, 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 and Debo Samuel's back, and this is a team that, that's going forward without the quarterback. Will certainly be an interesting matchup, but not one to take lightly for sure. Stay with us here on Jags AM. Coming up after the break, we're going to go around the league and go over some of the headlines. Welcome back to Jags AM. For 10 years, DreamFinders Homes has been proud to call themselves the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You can visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all of the available inventory and go Jaguars. Welcome back to Jags AM. We've got a little bit of time this week because it's Monday Night Football, so we're going to look around the league a little bit and talk about some of the other stuff that's going on around the National Football League. And we're going to start off with something that shows things could definitely be worse here because when we look to Carolina with the Panthers who just fired their head coach Frank Reich and now their owner David Tepper had in his press conference defending his pick of of Bryce Young and a lot of that coming because of what CJ Stroud has been able to do but you have to remember in Carolina they gave up a ransom to get that pick in the first place so Bryce Young really hasn't had much of a chance. No, they gave up two ones and DJ Moore. And I watched some of the game on Monday night. And even though the Bears didn't score a touchdown, DJ Moore was the guy that was moving the chains to put him in field goal position. He's a really nice football player. Um, yeah, it would be tough right now to be in Carolina uh, because CJ Stroud is, you'd be remorseful for the fact that you did not pick him. How did 
the people that I hired to run my football organization, if I'm David Tepper, how did they not see this? Because you're paid. It's a crystal ball business, John. You're paid to look into that crystal ball and be able to see who's coming down the pipe. And I didn't think there was any... I didn't think there was any doubt. I mean, I thought C.J. Stroud was a better prospect coming out. Now, I'm no you know, personnel guy. Um, he's going to have to defend that pick for a long time. Well, the word is that he made the pick. I mean, I, I, he and his I don't wife care fell in Carolina. love with Bryce Young's parents and all of that. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know that you, I don't know that you can blame your football people if you made the pick. Um, fired a lot of coaches in a very short time. It, it's what you always hope that the owner who comes in new to the league has to learn the league a little bit. Uh, that's what it feels like. I'm not close enough to Carolina to know that that's what it is, but that's what it looks like from the outside. Uh, Ashad Khan, for, for better or for worse, over the first uh, 10 or 12 years, came in wanting to stay out of it, wanting to do it the right way, uh, giving people time. He got criticized for that, but in the long run, that's really the best way to do it if you're an NFL owner. You know, just to defend Bryce Young on this one, and, and I just got done saying I, I would have taken C.J. Stroud all day long. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a bigger guy that looks better built to be an NFL quarterback. But, you know, Young has nothing to work with, as you mentioned, and he's there in Carolina, and it's his first year. And you don't know that a guy who is eminently successful, he's about the size and as big as Russell Wilson, you know, as built as Russell Wilson, but he's about that height. You don't know that he can't come on and turn things around if the right coach is hired. So, so maybe he evolves. Because there were people around the league that wanted to give up on Trevor Lawrence after one year thinking, well, he's not, he's not the quarterback that we all thought he was, despite the horrible situation that he was put in by uh, the coach who shall not be named in 2021. Um, we'll see. Maybe, maybe Tepper gets it right. I mean, Jacksonville's a perfect example. We've, it was very low before where we are right now. And Shad got it right. And very quickly that turnaround can happen. So, and if you have a young quarterback there as well, hopefully a good situation comes around for Bryce Young so they can turn that situation around in Carolina. Elsewhere around the league, we're looking at Aaron Rodgers saying he's aiming to try to come back, reports say, for Christmas Eve to play for the Jets, who are very much out of the playoff picture. He said, yes, some of it will have to do with whether or not they can make a playoff push, which doesn't look like that's realistic. But he's also just trying to come back and play in about two or three months after massive surgery. So that's interesting and of itself. Uh, I've heard Santa's going to bring him an Achilles. I know, apparently. <laughs> he's got a brand new one. Um, is this realistic to think he's going to come back? Well, you know, the, Should the, we listen to this? or is this a- The Achilles injury used to be one that was a long-term injury, kind of like the ACL. And we've seen in recent years that the ACL is one that guys can come back from relatively quickly. And I guess Cam Akers last year or the year before, the running back for the Rams, uh, came back in a short order, four or five months from the Achilles. Um, I remember having a conversation last year or the year before, well, when James Robinson tore his, mm-hmm. uh, with a doctor who said that they've completely changed the surgery and maybe he can come back. Um, but he's also 40 years old. And that seems to me to be a red flag, like, hey, if they're not going to the playoffs, why would you want to do this? Yeah, um, things can advance very rapidly with different kinds of injuries. And um, I heard the same thing you did about James Robinson, that the technology has changed. Uh, they can get in there and do what they need to do and get the tension right yes. now that you couldn't do before. Um, one thing in Rogers' favor, uh, I don't think James ever made it back because it's an injury that's tough for a running back 
because it's tough for it to ever be right again in terms of the pop, in terms of the stability. At quarterback, it's sort of like with an ACL. You don't worry as much about an ACL with a quarterback uh, because you don't have to have that pop and that acceleration. So if it's stable, could Aaron come in and, as intelligent as he is, be very be okay? Uh, perhaps. But you know, he's also a quarterback who's known to move, right? I mean, he's not a stand-in-the-pocket guy. He's not a statue. He makes a lot of his plays rolling right with that powerful arm, throwing it back to the left. I, I wonder if he has to change his style of play. The other thing that I've heard about this is that he feels invested in this. There are a lot of players and coaches that he asked the Jets or hinted strongly that the Jets should be interested in, and that organization was built for him, and he feels a need to come back and validate those moves. But I'm not sure you can validate it this season. I'm not sure either. And also, maybe he can move around himself, but that offensive line hasn't been great yeah. either. So you've got to be able to protect yourself when you get back on the football field too. Uh, our final thing we're going to look at around the league, a little bit closer to home. Fred Taylor is again among the semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, I think this is his fifth time in the semifinalists, and then there's an additional stage. But here's hoping, right? Yeah, he absolutely deserves this. Um, the the key here for Fred is he's been a semi, he's been a semifinalist four times. Um, I have always thought with Fred, if he can quote get in the room, meaning get in the 15, that's where they discuss you in the next. Uh, it would it'd be about a month long discussion. They do it a little different than they used to, but that's where they start discussing you, and that's where they really look at the numbers. That's where they look at stats. Uh, that's where they look at oh. He's a 4.6 yard per carry for his career. Only two guys in front of him on the all-time list are better than that. It's where you start looking at things like we're showing, and people go, oh, I forgot how good he was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tony Baselli was off the radar for three or four years in terms of the Hall of Fame. He got back in the radar when he got in the room and people started discussing and making calls on him and talking to people who played against him. I've always thought the same thing would happen to Fred. Once voters start making calls to former players, talk to guys on the Steelers, and they would say, I, I don't know who else is in, but this guy has to be in. Right. I think the discussion when Fred can get in it will bode very well for Fred. Well, there's another actor in this drama, and that is the gentleman who has the vote. Every NFL franchise has a vote that they give to a member of the media. And longtime Channel 4 sportscaster Sam Kabaris has that vote and has had it since you know, 1995, when the, uh, when the Weaver family gave it to him. So when he's in the room, he's got to make the case. He's got to stand up and pound the table, as he did for Tony Baselli. Now, it's changed a bit. There are other guys who get involved in this. But here's why it's important, because Sam covered Fred from the time his career started until the time he left Jacksonville. He knows everything there is to know about Fred, and he is a good salesman and can make a good pitch for it. What happens if this doesn't go on for another 10 years and perhaps Sam has moved on and doesn't have the vote anymore, then you have somebody who's covering the Hall of Fame vote who didn't cover Fred. It's, it's not as easy to stand up and to make that case and to call the other voters. Uh, I would say, having had this conversation with Sam recently, he's personally invested in pursuing this and pushing the case with Fred Taylor. And I expect that that'll be a valuable asset as they go. So I, and I know Fred knows that too. And it's tough until they get in that 15 you're almost off the radar in terms of being able to pound the table for a guy. Uh, the fact that he's been in the 25, there were only two uh, first-year guys in that semifinals list this year. So 
five got in last year, so they go away a little bit. Um, I I hope from uh, from looking at the names, we're biased because we covered Fred. Yeah. And the big truth to this is every market is biased toward their guy. There's there's 25 guys on that list. There's 25 conversations going around the league this morning. That guy should be in. But I think Fred's got a chance to get into 15 this year. And I think once he gets into 15, he will stay there for a couple of years. And then event, I think he eventually gets in because I think people who go back and do the research and talk to coaches and former players will vouch for how good he was. He's a Hall of Famer who um, probably, I would say already should be in. I don't think he was a lock, but certainly in that second or third level process, uh, he deserves to be in. Agreed. Let's hope he makes that next step and then we can get a little bit farther along the journey and we eventually get Fred Taylor there. Stay with us here on Jagzam. We're going to look ahead, do a little bit of this or that for our matchup this week against the Bengals. Price.com is the easiest way to save money with comparison shopping, cashback, coupons, all in one. It's free. Try Price.com today. Welcome back to Jagzam. We're going to do a little this or that as we look ahead. Monday Night Football for the first yep. time since 2011. I know that's kind of around what you're this or that. Is yeah, I mean, it's, it's low-hanging fruit, but, you know, we have these extra days. Uh, so I went, you know, what would you rather have, a Sunday night game or a Monday night game? What, what is the uh, – Thursday, I, I put it in there, but Thursday's clearly not on the same caliber. <laughs> um, what would you go with? I, you know, I favor Monday because it's the only game that day. And because it was the game in my youth, I mean, it delivered huge ratings. Monday Night Football was it. And obviously, the product has been diluted over time, and Monday Night Football fell off when Sunday Night Football rose. But I think Monday Night Football is making a comeback, and I think that's the primetime game I'd rather have. It's a little bit like in this day and age, these kind of questions are always dependent on how that individual person consumes. Like <laughs> what you remember. In our day, Brian and I are old men, and you know, all there was was a tube TV, so you watched <laughs> everything. Right. Well, three channels. Sunday is the premium game still. Mm-hmm. Um, so if all you are is, is somebody who watches the game, then Sunday is the game. But Monday certainly has more buildup. If, if you're the kind of fan who goes home at 530, gets fired up about the game, sits, starts watching all the ESPN preview, all the stuff leading up to it, if you're into that sort of excitement, then Monday, I think, gives more breathing room for the respect that everybody wants out of a Monday night game. So I would probably still go Sunday because that's the premium game. That's been the biggest. You mean that's the matchup that the league is It's usually the best game. Sunday, yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, ESPN put a ton of money into this Mm -hmm. latest package, and they hired Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, and each one of them are making top of the scale to be in that booth. And, And you're getting some great games for Monday Night Football this year, you're still going to get some dogs. You know, when you get Chicago and and, um, and Minnesota against each other, and neither one of them is a premier team this year. But the the league and and ESPN, ABC, is really putting a lot of effort into trying to, to take this back. I guess. Yeah, um, I would say for now, Sunday is still the game that that I think most people think of as the premier game. Uh, so I guess I'd rather have Sunday, uh, but. I think the key is be on it enough where you're on both yeah. in the same year. And exactly. they are both in three weeks' time. 
after many years yeah. of not having it. I heard, I think. And um, here, which is cool for fans. Yeah. I think J.P. Tragic told me they haven't had Sunday Night Football since 2008. Is that true? It's even longer. They than haven't had Sunday Night Football. They yeah. had that crew and right. that bunch was here for final game last year and uh, playoff right. games. They've so, never had a, a true Sunday, right, a true night, Sunday night, night, night football game, game ever. They had, right. they had the Sunday night crew for, for the wild card game in Pittsburgh in 2007, and then they fell off so sharply, right? Uh, in 2018, we were supposed to have the Steelers here on Sunday night football, but we got flexed out because neither the Jaguars nor the Steelers, well, Steelers are always to draw. The Jaguars certainly weren't, so they, they, they flexed us out. I think that's the cool thing. I mean, it's cool now that you can flex games on any day, even Monday now, but Sunday was always like you earned it because if you could still keep that primetime game on Sunday, that means you were the best matchup. Mm -hmm. They expected the best game out of you. So that was always cool, and it was always like – I always felt like Sunday night was like you had the full day, and then it was like that's the cherry on top of the whole day. But Mondays are always cool because it's just you get through work on Monday to watch football Monday night. Well, and here's the thing. I think people can get used to the idea of several primetime games. I mean, this is now going to be a marquee team with this quarterback. So it won't really matter whether it's Sunday night or Monday night because you're going to be on both. Hopefully it becomes a norm. That's always a good thing. John, what's your this or that for us this week? I went, um, is this an opportunity, meaning you're on national TV, to show uh, – maybe show the world that you're not what you were against San Francisco, which was the, the last time, or is it a trap game? And I, uh, I'm not big into the trap game usually, but this one feels a little bit like a trap game. Mm -hmm. As soon as Burrow got hurt, um, the emails that I got from fans, which isn't necessarily how players think, but the emails were, oh, that's when. Well, um, <laughs> you hope that this team's not thinking that way because the Bengals are good enough, even without Burrow, to make this a three-seven game in the in the not seven to three, but a seven to three-point game in the fourth quarter, and anything can happen. So I think it's an opportunity for it not to be a trap game, if that makes any sense. Because you got to play well. Yeah. It is an opportunity to show the world that you're good, and I think they will. But you got to be careful because just because Burrow's not in doesn't mean this team's bad. Well, and I, I think this team, <laughs> I mean, they were smarting when they left the field against San Francisco. They, they, they felt all of that and more. So I think they'll take this as an opportunity. Um, plus, when you turn on the tape, you still see Jamar Chase and Higgins and Boyd, who are game-wrecking wide receivers. Difficult matchups. And you have got to be on your game because if you give that quarterback time, these guys are going to get open for him. That guy in particular, I think he's the best receiver in the league. I don't know what you think about him. I just think he is a money player, and he's going to do everything he can to help his quarterback. And if he's throwing the ball, then all of a sudden you've got a running game. And I know you talked to Jeff Hobson this week for the website. Their running game has really fallen off this year. And so if you have a quarterback who they want to support with the run, who's able to throw the ball, and they can actually run, oh, they can make it really hard on you. This is still in a talented, explosive team. You should win the game because they don't have their quarterback. But if you don't play well, or if you just play down a level, then they can get you. Yeah, the Steelers decided they were going to shut down the run and then make the rookie beat him, or the young quarterback beat him. Uh, I, I'm assuming the Jaguars will have a slice of that in the game plan. Mm. Uh, look, it, it's a game you ought to win, uh, and you've got to go out and play well enough to do it. They've done that in that situation a lot. I trust this team to do that. It's catches like that one we just saw, where Jamar Chase doesn't even look back, puts his hands up, kind of just sees it out of the periphery, and makes a touchdown catch. I mean, that's he is 
a great player, and that means you have to play great. Otherwise, he'll keep it close. And I mean, I, I, I think it's worth saying. I mean, I at least have some remorse for the fact that we, we're not going to see the showdown between Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. I mean, that was a marquee matchup. I, I wish he was healthy. I know Trevor said the yes. other day he doesn't want the other quarterbacks to be healthy. I he wish, didn't say which that. he should say. He didn't to say be that. Honest. He just wants the other teams yeah. not to be as good. Um, but I, I was looking forward to watching that one. I thought that was going to be a great game. This was the game I was most looking forward to this season, yeah. specifically because yeah. of that matchup. And unfortunately, we're not going to get that. But I think this is an opportunity for my this or that. I kind of looked at, is this an opportunity for Trevor to have that breakout offensive performance? Or do we think it'll be a situation where they don't have their starting quarterback so the defense will dominate in this game? And I'm looking at this, and I'm saying this based off, I think they're going to take care of business because – They've had big games before, and we've seen them two times, the Chiefs and, and the 49ers, not go the way they wanted to go. And I'm thinking the third time around, if this is going to be the team we expect them to be, they need to take care of business in this game. I don't think they're going to take it lightly. And I don't know how they're going to win, so that's why I kind of went with the both sides of it. Is like, do I think Trevor is going to keep improving what we've seen from Titans to Texans to now kind of have a breakout offensive performance where people really can't doubt it anymore? Or is it going to be the defense again that saves the day? Well, you could make the case for either. So I'll take Trevor's breakout uh, because this defense has been susceptible to big plays down the field. They have um, one really good pass rusher and a, a very solid defensive line, especially with DJ Reader in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not dominant up front. And if the Jaguars offensive line, who didn't give up a sack last week, and the only sack they've given up in the last two weeks, they didn't really give up. That was when Trevor ran out of bounds with the ball in his hand against the Titans. So they're playing well. I expect that they will be able to play well this week, right, with Cleveland in there and Walker back to left tackle, where he is uh, is a very comfortable player. And I think they'll be able to get their shots down the field. Yeah, my guess is that Trevor will play well enough to have a breakout performance. I don't know if the game will play out that he needs to have the breakout performance, because I think the defense will be able to control Cincinnati. Uh, if the de- if, if the Bengals score, then I think Trevor will have a breakout performance because I think he'll need to. Uh, if, if the Bengals aren't scoring, uh, I could easily see them being a little more conservative offensively in the second half, which would keep Trevor from having those numbers that you're talking about. I think, they both will, I think they both will play well and win the game. My guess is that when people watch it, they will look at Trevor and say, oh, he played well. 230 yards, a touchdown, no interception, that sort of thing, and controlled the game, uh, which gets you a win. And I, that's the kind of game I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been wrong. <laughs> you know, you'll take, you'll take a, a steady win uh, because while we have more time this week, yeah. the flip side of Monday Night Football is you have less time next week to get ready to go to Cleveland where the weather will be a factor and you know it will be a physical game because that's the way the Browns are built. True. Although it feels like Cleveland weather outside right now, so they should be mentally prepared by then. I was told told Florida was, I was not going to need a coat here, and I'm still a little upset about it. I got my sweater on today. Anyway. Aren't you glad you can wear a sweater? I do. Actually, I do have a whole winter wardrobe that I I have been able to crack into. You were in Miami, you wouldn't be wearing a sweater. This is true. This is true. All right, stay with us. We're going to preview the rest of the week coming up after the break here on Jags AM. Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all customizable options. ZipChair is furniture for fans. Also, Florida Blue is proud to be the exclusive health insurance partner and support the Jacksonville community as the official community partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Look, I'm not gonna fake a whole lot of rah-rah. I'm not gonna fake it. All it takes is doing what we do. That's all we gotta do. It's not gonna take Superman, it's not gonna take nothing special. Do your job. Respect your teammate. Fight for him. Honor him with your game. Honor this game that you played as a little kid. Honor this, man. That's all you gotta do, I promise you. Give it everything you got, and I promise you will come out victorious. Trust that, man. Trust that, all right? Jack, go three. One, two, three. Sounds of the game out on YouTube and Jaguars.com, and it's a good one this week. You definitely want to check it out whenever there's a last-second play. That's always a good one. You know, when you when you see some of the guys who are in that shot, you see Zay Jones and Trayvon Walker and Dewey's there, Devin Lloyd is there, Andre Sisco. John, these are all guys who a year ago weren't, weren't versed in what this part of the year is like. They had to go through it that every Sunday feels like a playoff game because if you lose, you're out. They would have fallen back in the standings and they wouldn't have made the postseason. It's one of the reasons why I have optimism for besides the schedule that lays out over the next couple weeks that they can make a run at the number one seed because you got a lot of young, talented guys who are playing better than they did last year and they know now what it takes. Well, it's a mentally tough team. I mentioned on Monday, uh, they're a mature team, so they're a good team. They've won eight straight road games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it's not inconceivable that you could go through this road schedule, you know, knock on whatever. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it, it's set up. The reason I think they've got a chance at it, meaning getting that number one seed, is they are such a focused and good road team uh, that – it gives them a shot to get through some games that could be hiccup games. This team has not hiccuped very often since the middle of last season. They've lost to the Lions, a good Texans team, the 49ers, and the Chiefs. Usually you got to be pretty good to beat this team. Do you remember when, what was the losing streak on the road, 19 or 20 straight games? It was many. I mean, it was, <laughs> it, it, it was yeah. until they won their but first road game under They didn't win on Doug the road Peterson. in 20 or 21. Right. That the last road win they had was in Cincinnati in 2019. That was the last time they'd won on the road until last year when they won, and I forget which was the first road win uh, against Doug. And now they've won every one since. It was well, the Chargers out there week three. Yeah, that's right. When they won in Los Angeles last year, it broke a 20-game losing streak on the road. And now they've got eight straight. So, it's right. And that's a remarkable turnaround. It really is. What they've done here is remarkable. And it's why Doug feels so confident in saying we haven't done anything yet. There's much more ahead for where they want this franchise to be. So it is, but it's in the works and we're witnessing it as it happens. So tomorrow on Jagzam, we're going to deep dive into that Bengals matchup, get you guys ready for Monday Night Football, the first Monday Night Football since 2011 here in Jacksonville. All right, we'll see you on Thursday morning here on Jagzam.